Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having an opportunity with the head of Industry Insight for Eagle Eye, Maya Knights. Maya, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you for asking. Retail is one of my favorite industries because I like buying things, and then I like to know the things that other people buy. It's, I know that's kind of weird to be snoopy. I'm kind of nosy like that. Uh, so I'm going to be nosy in your personal business for just a moment. Tell me about your career. How'd you wind up at Eagle Eye? Well, I'm very similar to you, Sean. I absolutely love to shop. <laughs> I love retail. Um, and I also uh, love the intersection of retail and um, technology in the sense that uh, clever people can go and invent new technologies. Um, we see lots of innovation in retail, um, but it's it's in retail that us as consumers and, and consumers across the globe, mass consumption, really test the metal of, of technology. And it's that intersection of consumers with technology that has really fascinated me throughout my career. Um, it's been about 20 years looking at that space. I started out as a technology journalist looking at enterprise, the enterprise space, um, covering all sectors um, about 20 years ago. Um, and uh, quickly specialised in, in in retail, mainly because I, I as I said, I, I like that real world, real world, everyday translation of technology use um, in our hands as consumers. Um, and I've always said I can't cut code and I can't configure a server, but I've spoken for the last twenty years to CIOs, CTOs, digital officers, omnichannel customer officers, you name it going through the trends over the years and really um, formulated uh, you know a deep understanding I hope of um, of what retailers need from technology in terms of interfacing with their customers in terms of their customer facing operations and also their back office operations um, that led me to edit retail technology magazine for 10 years in the UK um, and from there I, I, I always say that my my opinion people started to ask my opinion more than for me to be editorially impartial. So I ended up moving into um, market research where I was a customer experience analysis, uh, senior research analyst for uh, IDC. And from there, I always say that was a technology research firm. That is a technology research firm um, looking at um, retail use. But I really wanted to look at uh, a retail market research firm's um, examination of technology use. So I moved to Planet Retail a couple of years ago where I was technology research director there. And then that, that then took me um, across uh, a sort of a broad range of brands, retailers and technology firms that I was consulting with and advising with and sizing their markets for. Um, and, and, and in the end, um, I've, I've come, ended up coming in-house in for Eagle Eye to bring all that industry insight, as my job title says, um, to bear on what is a really interesting space in retail um, and picking up that theme of consumers, um, retail marketing specifically. So that's what's brought me here. You mentioned that there was a shift in your career when people went from asking you to editorialize to offering your opinion. And one of the things that you do very well is letting the facts inform your opinion, not trying to use your opinion to create facts. And in the retail space, you have a ton of facts that you have to parse through on a daily basis. How, 
have some of the recent changes in technology helped you measure and quantify all the ridiculous amounts of data that you have to deal with on a customer by customer basis? Um, I think, well, we certainly, that, that's, that what drove, that's exactly what drove me into market research, actually. So it's a very good question. Um, when you're being sent as a journalist and an editor surveys and um, endless numbers of research reports and white papers, you really need to dig into the detail and see what the, 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 the survey pools are like in terms of their size and their scope. Um, so one of the things that really uh, excites me in the industry insights sort of area of my business or phase of my career, I suppose, is the fact that I can craft these surveys. I can actually sort of try to get to the truth in the sense that um, these 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 bits this this data, as you talk about, this sea of data that that we have to deal with, um, also aims to do, to shed light on. But um, we can really start to ask some some really fundamental questions and make sure that the, the research is done very rigorously. Um, interestingly, again, I think building on the theme, the fact that consumers are so much more digitally informed means that they are much more willing with all the choice and the options that they've been given now from um digital enablement they are also far more far more willing to give you their opinions and so i think it's it's been absolutely invaluable to be able to 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 draw on research um, research resources of technology market research firms consumer market research firms and specialist market research firms as well as consultancies and in-house activities to be able to really pass the trends. And I think the, the final response I'd give you is it, it, it comes down to all the data in the world is, is, is only as good as the insight it gives you and the execution you can take on that, on that insight. And so validating it against retailer results and retailer uh, sentiment is, is absolutely key. And you can't really uh, replace that but from, you know, without getting it firsthand and actually getting out there and talking to the guys and finding out how, how the data is is, is paying out in terms of their, their business activity and operations. I think that the, the most seismic event over the last 10 years in the retail industry has been the fact that digital technology is where retail is going to live. Uh, you know, not so many people carry a full wallet in their in their pocket or a pocketbook in their purse that has 27 customer loyalty cards in it anymore but everybody has a cell phone in their pocket to carry all of that information the the move from paper coupons and plastic cards to a completely digital ecosystem it's not only um, inevitable but it's already here that's really exciting to someone who's a, a a technological admirer such as myself, I love that. I don't want a pocket full of plastic cards. I really don't. What I want is to get 10% off of bread. Yeah. And that's something that you get to see happen across the broad spectrum of retail space. Tell me how you, how do you sort of, uh, I don't know how to phrase the question. How do you manage that migration from the physical, tangible cards into the digital ecosystem while making sure that your clients and customers are comfortable with that move? Because digital is scary. Let's don't, let's don't 
deny that. It is a scary space to be in, but it's a necessary space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with a lot of the the points that you raise in terms of the fact that I see digital as an imperative for retailers. Um, so while we've seen so many hours, column inches, uh, research uh, resources, resor- uh, uh, devoted to um, digital transformation projects um, by retailers. Um, I, I would also say, I, uh, in, in, in response to your last comment about digital being scary, I would agree. And I think that is part of the reason why the transformation hasn't taken place as fast as people might think. But uh, building on that, I would say I, uh, the years of experience and vi- visibility of retailers' activities in this space, both failed and successful, that I've seen makes me much more of a pragmatist, um, also an optimist, but a pragmatist in the sense that, I'll give you an example. I, I did an interview for a mobile telecoms uh, operator, video interview about t- 12 years ago, uh, um, asking me about the future of retail. And I was saying, we've got the point of sale in our hands. I can see the day when tills disappear. Why would you spend you know, money on as a retailer on hundreds and hundreds of little checkouts as we have now with little scan guns, um, as well as you know, plastic loyalty cards in your wallets? And I think we are slightly, slowly getting to that phase. But as you say, uh, digital is scary and there is a long tail and there are people that are unbanked and people that will want to always pay with cash. And so retailers have to we're always telling retailers that they have to keep pace with the consumer. But at the same time, the, consu- the consumer isn't just one going at one speed. So there's many different speeds for them to have to, um, to, to keep up with, as it were. Um, and I think it's, it's that stretch that, that they're finding difficult to, 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 to gauge and maybe cope with where the research comes in really handy. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you that we're, we're on our way. Those that do it first and do it well, um, that do it sensitively and make sure that speed, convenience and relevancy are top of mind, I believe are going to win in this game. But you have to try and get that first mover advantage in relation to that in relationship to that speed aspect as well. One of my favorite part of digital promotions is the fact that personalization is possible. Now, granted, I don't want every person in corporate structure at my grocery store to know that I bought allergy medicine or maybe uh, medicine for an upset stomach. It's really none of their business, but I I like the fact that they know that I bought cookies last week and hey, here's that same brand of cookies, a new flavor, and it's on sale for as a special promotion. I like that sort of being able to be notified and the Eagle Eye wallet you know, I mentioned earlier, nobody carries a wallet. Well, they don't carry a, a wallet made out of leather in their pants pocket, but they can have a wallet in their phone. It's the exact same concept, and it can hold infinitely more uh, usable information for both the customer and for the retailer. Talk to me just briefly about Eagle Eye Wallet. Absolutely. Um, so I like the way we we refer to the Eagle Eye um, Wallet as a digital wallet, but really it's it's a container of offers and an ID. And that can sit within an app 
all that can sit um, in, in, in any digital format. Um, it could be part of a, a loyalty program, loyalty scheme. Um, and the, the, the reason I was actually attracted to, to Eagle Eye was that the fact that, as you say, the, the offers that you get can be very generic, um, particularly when you're talking about clipping paper coupons. They can also be really hard to track and easily um, um, defrauded as well. Uh, so that's, that's one of the good aspects, the sort of operational benefits of, um, of moving digital. But when you have the ID of a customer, um, when they're willing to share their information with you, and I always talk about giving to, to get here because I think consumers have endorsed and shown and proven that once the offers are good, they're willing to give you more information about themselves. Um, so we talk a lot about using the view of your customer that uh, an ID from a wallet or a container or a loyalty scheme or even the redemption of an individual promotion at, a, at, at the point of sale can, can give you a view of who they are and use that data about those customers with empathy to offer them um, incentives, promotions and rewards of any kind, whether it's buy, get your 10th coffee free, or uh, as you said, um, you know, here's a, here's a new uh, uh, range of a, of a cookie that you particularly love, and, here it, and here's a special offer to try it out. Um, you know, there are so many different ways that you can incentivize customers nowadays, rather than just money off the bottom line and uh, straight 1% discount loyalty schemes and promotions. So, um, Having that container gives you that flexibility. Um, and as I said, it can be embedded in uh, more things than just the, the, the I suppose, the, the current consumer's concept of a wallet, which is Apple Wallet or, or maybe having your credit card as a, as a wallet on, on, on your phone. Um, it can sit in a, a retailer app. It can sit behind a retailer website. Um, and it can also serve that, that purpose of actually allowing the customer to sorry, the retailer to find, to know more about you in terms of whether it's uh, getting them to log in at a location in store so they know you're in store so they can give you relevant offers and information in store um, right through to knowing it's your birthday and being able to, to, to recognize that and, and, and giving you something if you visit a restaurant on that day or one of your favorite restaurants that you visit regularly, for example. So it gives, it gives retailers that flexibility to um, understand who their customers are, what they buy, where and when, and to use that data to um, offer them services that give them speedier, that are speedier service, um, more relevant um, information and offers, um, more convenience, and uh, I think really use digital for what it was, what it was actually uh, you know designed for, rather than being being scary as you uh, referred to it earlier. So that's the beauty of the container and the wallet. One of the challenges, no, not at all, my apologies. One of the challenges that I know you deal with on a probably near daily basis is companies gathering all of this data on their customers, but not really providing an equal benefit to the customers for the data. I don't really know if I'm phrasing that correctly. There's a responsibility that comes from the corporate side when you gather all this data about your customers to utilize that data to improve the relationship and the customer experience for those customers. Is that a challenge you see a lot of companies having to deal with? 
Yes, it is. Um, we subscribe to a nice, neat uh, little sort of acronym, which is a, a DIAL, uh, standing for um, Data, Insight, Action and Learning or um, Learning Slash Loyalty. I think many customers, sorry, many retailers get stuck at the um, Insight Action uh, stage of of um, that methodology and find that, as you referenced earlier, they can be drowning in the data. They don't know what to look for. They don't know what questions to ask. Um, but also, I think translating the data into actionable insights is absolutely key. And that's part of knowing what questions to ask. Um, but I, I think uh, to combat that, I would say that retailers should also not lose sight of their core purpose, which is to curate um, a, a range that will uh, benefit, be of benefit to the majority of their customers and do so with that speed, convenience and relevancy in a, in a competitive, uh, competitive price with promotions and place and also time, I think is more important now as well with the internet and um, e-commerce growth. So the data, as I said, data used with empathy, I think comes from really trying to focus on that insight-based action um, and understanding what you stand for as a retailer, what your customers want for you from from you, and 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 using the data to hone in on whether or not the customers agree with you on that, and uh, you know, shifting the dial digitally in that sense from a transformative perspective uh, to to use data to run your business better. I think data-driven, digitally enabled businesses whether or not we're talking about you know, Amazon online or maybe Starbucks is a great example of a loyalty and promotion scheme digitally. Um, they all are very, uh, you would definitely say digitally enabled and, and data-driven and definitely apply the, the dial methodology, as I would say, as opposed to getting stuck at that second stage of insight through to the third stage of action. One of the best developments in the industry with regard to customer rewards and loyalty programs is the advancement of the technology from an AI standpoint, but also from a real-time standpoint. Um, I believe the phrase that you like to use is next best offer. Yeah. And the, the speed that we can now receive these offers and a, a real-time benefit. I'm curious as to how you feel blockchain technology can integrate into this resurgence or this recent growth in the retail industry in the digital space. Do you think blockchain has a place? Yes, I do think blockchain has a place. But wow, that's a big question. <laughs> you managed to get AI and blockchain into the same question. That's fabulous. Because I find that so amusing because um, I think we are just at the beginning of understanding the potential of AI. You talk about the speed of delivery. I think it's the scale of delivery. So if you're sort of scaling something like... I don't know, not being able to walk into your local grocery store, log into their Wi-Fi because you have to identify yourself um, or being automatically onboarded to the Wi-Fi because you've clicked the preference that you want to do so the next time, you know, first time that you visit and then being able to get personalized offers. Um, 
is is yeah it's still it's still in its infancy um and because digital is still a bit scary to, to retailers because they are a bit bogged down in the data um i and and also you know feeling that they can't keep up with the speed of the consumer i feel that um we're only starting to see that kind of activity um hit the mainstream i think also a good good evidence of that is the amount of digital that retailers bring into their store so what are the digital touch points for my digital device that my little point of sale my little shopping aid um in the store can i that can interact with and engage with um at, at the moment you know it's it's still mainly the point of sale in grocery it's maybe scan and go guns um uh, we're looking at electronic shelf edge labels here as well, digital signage, anything that puts a mobile device in the hands of the store associate. So I feel, still think that in terms of scale, the ability for AI to scale out across all the customer touch points, both in the real world and online, when I access a, a, a retailer online digitally through my phone or other device, um, we're still in its infancy. Blockchain is a, is a kind of separate, another layer of complexity on top of that, because um, blockchain as a, a, a concept could revolutionize the way consumers manage their own data. Um, it could allow consumers to monetize their own data. So you could be able to walk into a store and if they say, what have you done today? You'll say, well, what are you going to give me for it? Are you going to give me 20% off this uh, uh, pack of dishwasher tablets or you know, give me these free, these cookies, these new cookies for free instead? Um, but when I hopefully have explained how AI can be applied and where we're seeing it and also where we're equally where we're not seeing it and the concepts that are still in that extreme infancy about blockchain and how that technology can apply, be applied to the consumer realm and consumer-facing data and marketing, um, you can see the gulf that we still have to kind of uh, traverse before we can even think about sort of putting consumers in that kind of control of their data. I think that's a really scary concept to retailers at the moment. And the final thing I think I definitely should say here is recent consumer um, privacy data laws in, in Europe GDPR um, should be seen as a as a, a real help in that sense, in terms of allowing retailers to use data not only with empathy, but also to uh, make sure that data is used legitimately, uh, to restore the legitimacy of spray and prey broadcast mass marketing, and move using AI at scale and at speed digitally to um, to hyper personalize the customer engagement in the moment for that next best offer, as, as I say. So I have one last question, but you made me think of another next to last question that I have to ask, and it's somewhat deep, so I apologize now, but I must ask you this question while I have you. You mentioned the possibility of customers monetizing their own personal information. That, to me, would seem to be a big concern to companies whose primary business model is monetizing other people's information. For example, Google or Facebook. Uh, how do you think that little skirmish 
is going to play out. If Google doesn't get all of my information for free in exchange for an email app, but I'm able to leverage my personal information and monetize it, what sort of conflict is that going to create? Um, I'll try and answer the question quickly. Um, so data is the new currency. You have to think of it in that sense, I think. Um, why, where consumers will trust banks to uh, legitimately store their, their wealth. Um, I think we've seen a move from the likes of Google and Facebook to, as you say, monetize our data in, 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 um, in re return for freemium type services. But I think when we're, when we're also thinking about other trends like crowd sharing, um, for example, uh, and, and, and Uber as well is another great one in terms of uh, disintermediating uh, a quite you know legitimate business by owning the data and owning the platform and creating the connections between the customer and the service provider um, that Google and Facebook are already really well installed in customers minds as brands that should be able to manage that kind of transaction so I think we're going to see the same kind of discussion as we've had around containers from a marketing and loyalty and rewards and promotions perspective applied to customer data but this I think you know we're talking five to ten years down the line here and who knows who the Googles and the Amazons and the Facebooks of this world will be by then but I think those are the kinds of roles that those companies that you call out are going to play just like the banks do for us today. Now, in your career, you've had the opportunity to witness retail environments in different cities around the globe. And I think we can agree that cities have personalities and the shopping experiences for those cities have personalities as well. Based on your travels, do you have a favorite place to shop as far as a city if you if i could send you anywhere in the world for one day just to a shopping experience where do you want to go oh that's a good question um i i have to say europe as a continent has some of the best shopping destinations. just in in the context of our conversation in terms of digital and moving to cashless and avoiding queues and getting personalized information and having really highly curated, tailored niche um, retailers. I think some of the cities in, in Europe are brilliant. I mean, I'd be really remiss if I didn't call out London. Um, but also, you know, some of the smaller um, sort of village market type areas of, of, of um Cities like Copenhagen and Paris are amazing. I really, I love New York as a shopping destination, but I hate the fact I still have to put a pin <laughs> in. And that only happened two years ago. So that still hasn't really dealt with the queues. Um, I would love, love, love to, to see a bit more of Singapore. Um, that's again another kind of um, phase ahead in terms of uh, digital and contactless and just speed and convenience and relevancy from, from a digital standpoint. Um, and also China. I'd really love to 
go and visit one of the Alibaba hair mask stores, but I haven't had an opportunity to yet. Um, anytime I've been to China, it's been a, a really highly uh, curated uh, tour. But one of these days, I'll get I'll get to that one. That's that's one on, on my bucket list. Well, if I ever got turned loose in an Alibaba, I would have to take about seven empty suitcases with me because there's no way I'm getting out of that store without emptying my bank account. There's just no way. There's too much stuff. Today, I've had the privilege of having a conversation with Maya Knights. She's the head of Industry Insight for Eagle Eye Solutions Group. Maya, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much, Sean. It's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.